welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fed Talks. How's everybody doing? Look, I got a lot to talk about for a change, but I'm not going to talk about any of it today. I'm not going to talk about the raccoon. I'm not going to talk about seeing Connor O'Malley. I'm not going to talk about a lady buying me a drink and then a second drink because I helped her with her Marvel snap. I don't like how I said snap just now. It sounded like I come from a place where we really have a problem with that word, snap. Uh, That isn't what I meant. But today, I want to do something special. Uh, I'm recording this on December 6th, which means tomorrow, probably when you listen to this, or it's already passed. You're not listening to this first thing. Eh, Maybe you are. Wednesday's a slow podcast day. Uh, Point is, December 7 is the birthday of my favorite musician, Tom Waits. Uh, And you know what? I want to talk about Tom Waits. Just sort of, I'm, here's, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to, I'm going to run through his albums. I'm going to say a little bit about them, tell you my favorite tracks on each. Maybe you want to check them out. Uh, I tried to set up a way where I could play a little bit and with the setup I have and my severely underpowered computer, everything sounded like ass. But with Spotify and Apple Music, it's, you know, it's not that hard to go and listen to something. Um, just for, for background, uh, Tom Waits is a singer-songwriter. He's been, uh, been, been, uh, his first album came out in 1973, Closing Time. And he sort of started out in that, uh, like, like, sad barroom singer-songwriter mode that was very in vogue in the 70s and uh, he his writing style, performing style, and voice all got weirder and more off-putting as he got older. And I say that in a in a positive way because I, I that's what I love is when he gets weird and strange and uh He's not making uh, pleasant albums to have on the back, have on in the background when you're doing something. Although that's usually what I have in the background when I'm doing something because he is my favorite. Um, but it's it's important to know just how often his style and approach change. Another word I didn't say right, man. Uh, you know, he'll do two or three albums in kind of a similar mode, and then something will shift and. He'll go in a bit of a new direction, and by the time you get to the 90s, he's got this gravelly screech, and he's uh, using things that aren't instruments to play songs. There's one where he famously demolishes a chair, and that's like (laughs) maybe the second instrument. Um, So, you know, if there's, if there's, my description of a particular era piques your interest, that's the place to start. Uh, I have a little bit of OCD, uh, not in any way that benefits me, where it makes me good at things or exceptionally organized. But when it comes to, like, uh, entertainment, it really kicks in. Like, if I like an album, I have to have all of their albums, which has kind of kept me out of music for a while because it becomes a thing. And honestly, everybody's got some... You're you're not going to like everybody's every album you know uh, I 
I think I mentioned it before, I went through this period where I had to have every Rolling Stones album, including the terrible ones. Um, and so often that would be because, you know, people had been around a, lo a long time, their sound evolves and uh, very, you know, maybe the, the album I liked was the only thing of theirs I liked. Um, I don't know if it's actually OCD or if it just comes from like reading comics as a kid and then you get into a collection mode. Uh, I know that until fairly recently, like I was almost incapable of giving up on a TV show. Uh, and then South Park finally broke me. And uh, that's basically uh, I was when I listened to my first Tom Waits album, then I started picking up everything and I was not prepared for the complete tonal shifts because I went from the masterpiece that is Bone Machine, which does not sound like anything, straight into some of the 70s stuff where it's like he's got a slightly weird sensibility and he's singing sad songs and it was jarring, brother. But uh, let's put it all into context. Tom Waits, my favorite guy. Even if you have... you've. When I get to a song you know, I'll point it out. Uh, but you've definitely seen him in movies. He does some acting. He's famously for people my age, he was Renfield in Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, the guy in the asylum who eats bugs. Uh, he's Dr. Heller in Mystery Men. He's a uh, he's in Seven Psychopaths. He's in Wrist Cutters, A Love Story, where he has a scene with Will Arnett that is obviously perfect because it's my favorite guys. Um... He's, uh, I'm drawing a blank. He's been in a, in a, he's in a lot of Jim Jarmusch movies. Um, he was just now the narrator in, uh, Ultra City Smiths, where he was also represented by a puppet character. Oh, and, uh, the Coen Brothers Netflix movie, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the middle segment about the prospector. He's the prospector. It's like Tom Waits for 30 minutes. Uh, he's, he's a lot of fun as an actor. So you've you've definitely seen him. He's a he's he's a guy, you know. So uh, anyway, starts in 1973 with closing time, which is a like uh, I'm not. Here's the thing: is I'm not super good at describing music, and I'm not going to have all the information about like how things sold and their chart positions or whatever. Uh, this is not Rachel's chart chat. Uh, speaking up, shout out to Rachel, uh, not uh, in person Rachel, but my uh, uh, Twitter buddy Rachel, who sent me a graphic novel collection of the Glow comics based on the TV show. And I'm going to talk about that next week because it is a blast. It is so good and it was really nice of her to send it to me and I am having so much fun reading about my wrestle friends. Uh, but she also knows a lot about music and can tell you things, whereas I'm just farting around and grabbing at whatever. Uh, but it's... Closing time is very... Uh, uh, almost James Taylor-y. Um, it's kind of sad. His, his, his weird stuff isn't in full view yet. Uh, he does have a very... Uh, probably the... the the best song is Old 55. He was kind of was kind of a hit. Uh, the Eagles covered that, so maybe you've heard it. Uh, I really like the song I Hope That I Don't Fall In Love With You, which is just a sad barroom song. And 
uh, a lot of these songs are so world weary and I'm looking at them now and he was 24 when he recorded this album <laughs> and he is the man is already exhausted um, uh, Martha that's another good song uh, Grapefruit Moon is probably the like the most Tom Waitsy of the of the songs on here um, but honestly unless you're super into 70s singer songwriter that's like you you don't you can you can come around to closing time last. That's more more of a fun uh, uh, diversion once you get used to him, and you start to see his style develop a little more the very next year in uh, uh, looking for the heart of Saturday Night, uh, which has one of his easily the most the prettiest of his uh early songs uh please call me baby which you've maybe heard it's got this really pretty chorus uh very wistful uh but you know there's some real bangers on here new new coat of paint uh heart of saturday night uh depot depot is a song i really like even though i cannot remember the words to it and i just know the part of it at the depot uh that's you know what that that is the second Tom Waits album I got and it's so different from Bone Machine I I didn't come back to it for a long time and uh, now it's one that that kind of gets into the rotation pretty often for me because it's just it's it's kind of pretty and nice and just a little weird. Uh, this is when he's banging out an album a year. He's got a uh, an album called Nighthawks at the Diner, which is sort of like a fake live album well it's a it, it's I guess it's a live album but they add like environmental sounds to make it sound like he's doing this like actually performing it at a diner like you hear people sort of chattering and dishes clanking there were people in the studio but it was recorded in a studio um, and that is actually a a two, two album uh, a double album which is a thing you don't think about when you have CDs. Um, and this is a lot of long, rambly songs that are real jokey. Um, Better Off Without a Wife is one a lot of, a lot of people cover. Um, ah, boy, that was... You know, that's another... I'll be honest with you, that's a little another one of a, a deep dives... Uh, deep dive album again. It's... Um, yeah, it's it's weirdly jokey, uh, but he's he's starting to turn around into into what he becomes the very next year. We're talking 1976. We are talking small change, which uh, already his barroom stuff is gone. It is. He's moved into some sort of. There's a lot of weird, uh, like like scat sing song on there. Uh, Step right up is like a a lengthy infomercial pitch, and. Uh, uh, pasties in a g-string is sort of like a a talk sing uh from the perspective of a strip club patron that is very funny uh and then there's some real uh just absolutely tragic in the good way not in the way that they are bad uh uh tom traubert's blues uh uh invitation to the blues a lot of blues uh bad liver and a broken heart man these things all rock uh, and this, and now that I, I, the piano has been drinking is 
the first song of his I ever heard because when I was a insufferable little comedy nerd in the late 80s and I was watching Nick at Night for old SNLs and Fernwood Tonight, the Martin Mull, Jer uh, Fred Willard fake talk show that was spun off from Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, he performed that on that show and I didn't know he was a real guy. I thought he was an actor doing a funny song. So I have a lot of affection for that. Uh, Foreign Affairs is the year after that. That is the one he records with his occasional girlfriend, Bette Midler. Uh, yeah, they dated on and off. Um, and it's it's getting a little more uh, a little a little more ambitious. Uh, like Burma Shave is great. Uh, Potter's Field, holy smokes, Potter's Field kicks ass. Um, you know he's really you're starting to you're starting to see see the hints of what comes next, which is maybe the two albums I would recommend for the Tom Waits newbie. How's this? Uh, Blue Valentine from 1978, his sixth album in six years. You'd think he'd be exhausted. Uh, it's he's going to make a huge change in a couple albums, and this is really the segue point where if it's uh, like he's really heading into weirder and uh, like his songs have characters and storytelling and some strange imagery but it's not super off-putting like if you don't like Bone Machine you're wrong but I would understand it because it's it's aggressive in a lot of ways this is sort of an easy this is this is here to ease you into what's going to happen in just a, in just a couple of albums. Uh, and this one is, man, it's, it's all great. Uh, he does a cover of somewhere from West side story, uh, Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis, which is a heartbreaking song. That's also very funny because the first line is him in full. This is where his voice really starts to become who you know as Tom Waits. His vo he just rasps out, Charlie, I'm pregnant. And nobody has ever sounded less pregnant than that. Uh, he's got like this opera-length song called $29, which is about a series of, of petty crimes with horrible consequences. Uh, Whistling Past the Graveyard, which a bunch of people have covered. You've heard that song. And my actual favorite, Kentucky Avenue, is just this wistful little song. Uh, it's about the street he actually grew up on, and he mentions a lot of people from his past. But it's kind of about, like, these two kids who want to get out of this dead-end town, and it's got the, this, like, childhood mythology. Like, you know, there's a reference to... to running away and making sure you have a church key in your pocket. Um, and this is where he really gets... There are recurring characters in Tom Waits' songs, and uh, 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 the Blue Valentine album is the first part. He really starts identifying people by name. But there's uh, Chuck E. Weiss, who's actually a real person, who's a friend of his, who's a, a peers, who, who works with him, but also is a character in some songs. Uh there's the eyeball kid. There's a butcher's son. There's a guy named Frank who's going to be very big soon. Uh, 
there's a an unnamed German dwarf. Uh, he's he's got a cast of characters, and they they start to appear in Blue Valentine. Then, he actually takes a year off, and in 1980, Heart Attack and Vine, which is awesome. It is it is so good. It's just it's all bangers. Uh, Jersey Girl, Bruce Springsteen recorded and hit a huge hit with, so you know that one. Um, unlike a lot of his stuff, these are all long songs. You know, the shortest one on here is 340, and uh, On the Nickel, which is beautiful, is runs over six minutes. But uh, uh, the title track, Heart Attack and Vine, uh, On the Nickel, Mr. Siegel. Oh, man, how do the devil, how do the angels get to sleep when the devil leaves the port light, porch lights on? I stuttered a lot. I apologize. Uh, and Ruby's Arms, which is so just crushing. Oh, my God. I have, That song just gets me every time. Uh, I swear to God, by Christmas time, there'll be someone to hold you. You know what? Man, that's a good song. Heart Attack and Vine. That is a hell of an album. And it takes a couple more years off. 1983, we jump to what is called the Frank Trilogy. It is where he gets really experimental. Uh, this is where he starts using things that aren't... Uh, that aren't instruments. And uh, he does weird things with his voice. And his themes get very strange. Uh, and they're sort of... And they're very dark. Uh, there's sort of a from here on out it's not uncommon for him to have a, a track on every album that's just him telling a story and uh, in this one it's about a, a a vet with PTSD who in this story gets drunk and burns down his house and leaves town and that's Frank the aforementioned Frank uh, and most of the songs on the next three albums are in some way related to Frank although they they stand alone as songs. They don't him, but a lot of them are about, uh, uh, you know, damaged veterans or or small towns with secrets. And uh, uh, you get a lot of. Uh, I read this really great essay. I mean, it was honestly somebody wrote a thesis on. It. I think it was a sixty-page paper about how to put the songs in the Frank trilogy together. And it was an amazing work of obsessiveness. Um, Swordfish Trombones, the first in the trilogy. Uh, my friend Larry says that's his best album. Um, and it's an amazing album. It's There are a few I like better, but this is such a big departure that if you were listening to it at the time, and I wasn't, I would have been a small, small child. Uh it's such a such a jump that that uh, I think it would have blown your mind if you had bought all his albums and then you get Swordfish Trombones. Um, let's see, what are some of these? Uh, boy, it's hard to. Underground is good and weird. Uh, you know what? This is an album where even though it it varies a lot tonally, I always think of it as sort of a single piece like it's it's kind of operatic in a way for me it is hard to pick out favorite tracks i just listen to that album all the way through generally then now we get a little more a little more 
individual songy. Uh, 1985, Rain Dogs. This one is... Holy smokes. This is maybe... Except for how the Bone Machine is the best thing to happen. You could make a case for this being his best album. It is the middle chapter of the of the Frank trilogy. Uh, just... It is it is tremendous. Uh, yeah, this great it opens with a song about Singapore, uh, jockey full of bourbon. Uh, uh, Hang down your head, which is his first first uh, collaboration with Kathleen Brennan, who he would go on to marry and collaborate with up until the present day. By which I mean, you know, and going forward, it's not like something happened to them today as I'm recording. So their first collaboration is right there. Uh, there's a song called Time, which is amazing, and I think he should end all his concerts with that song. The title track, Rain Dogs, uh, Blind Love, I think that one just slaps. And uh, Downtown Train, which Rod Stewart had a big hit with. Uh, that's one you probably definitely heard. Uh, and then, another two years... Frank's Wild Years, the same name as the track that introduces Frank. It is, this one is largely written with Kathleen Brennan. Uh, and it sort of finishes up the trilogy and it's a little more story oriented. And it does some some neat things. Like there's a couple songs that are, are done in two different versions that uh, uh, fit the story in different ways. Uh, straight to the top is both a rumba and sort of a, a Las Vegas crooner thing. And there's a really pretty song called Innocent When You Dream. And once it's sung, like it sounds like a bunch of guys in a bar singing while they're swinging their drinks around. And then it closes with like a, like it sounds like an old LP version, like an old recording of it. It's all crackly. It's great. Um, it has the... Uh, the incredible song uh, "Way Down in the Hole," which was the theme song to "The Wire," so you you've heard that. Uh, telephone call from Istanbul has a bunch of weird, weird imagery in it. Uh, "Cold Cold Ground" is a song I was always inadvertently quoting because uh, of an old Looney Tunes cartoon where Bugs tries to bury Tasmanian Devil alive and. Taz digs his way out and confronts him and in one of the few times he speaks he says why for you bury me in the cold cold ground and maybe he named it after that line that's a great song the train song uh, man the as Tom Waits writes about a train it's going to be good and then he takes a five year break 1992 style morphs again into something completely different officially experimental rock bone machine this was a thing people were talking about uh like before i knew tom waits i was hearing references to bone machine it was such a weird it's a huge departure uh and it's it's aggressive it is growly and gravelly and dissonant and Every song on it is amazing. Most of them are co-written with Kathleen Brennan. Um, but like, like the very first song on the album is called Earth Died Screaming. 
and it like and that's just how that's the first Tom Waits thing I heard in album form was just this great like blasted out voice it's incredible uh who are you is one of my favorite love songs it's so it's so sad um going out west is just just rocks it's sort of a it's a song from the perspective of a guy who's going to Hollywood to be a character actor and has one of my favorite lines. Uh, I know karate voodoo too. <laughs> like that's his skill set. Also, I don't need no makeup. I got real scars. Yeah, man, that song rocks. Uh, Murder in the red barn. Uh, I don't want to grow up, which gets in a lot of movies. Um, but honestly, everything bone, do yourself a favor, man. Check out bone machine. And the only thing better than Bone Machine, I think, is... Oh, no, wait. There's a... I keep forgetting. The Black Rider comes out the next year. And it is a... He wrote songs for a play by William S. Burroughs, which was based on a German folktale. And it's all very, very strange. And it's a little bit hard to put together the story without the benefit of the play itself. But the... Uh, the songs for the most part work really well on their own. Uh, November being the, the standout, uh, the black rider where he does like a fake German accent and sings it like a folktale is very fun. Um, there's, yeah, there's a couple songs that William S. Burroughs wrote. That is a weird one. And then he takes a six year break, six years and comes back with, I think, what is actually my favorite album ever, Mule Variations. And this one, uh, they, they classify it as blues. Uh, actually, experimental rock blues, which it definitely has a rootsier sound. It's, I don't want to say folksy, but it it sounds like he's playing in small rooms as opposed to to screaming in a theater, I guess is the best way to say it. It is, it is, it is a perfect album. Um, it's got a lot of very long and sad songs, but it's also got a lot of really funny, uh, funny bits. It's got a couple of, uh, what's he building in there? My friends and I reference all the time. It is just, it's another kind of talk sing where he's wondering what his weird neighbor is up to. He's clearly building something in a shed behind his house. Um, uh, Eyeball Kid is a song about the, his oft-mentioned character who is a, in this song, is revealed to be a sentient eyeball uh, who is very large. Uh, and he, the Eyeball Kid was born the same day as Tom Waits. His birthday is in the song. And, uh, that's kind of how in the in the days before I was really used to using the internet for things, that's how I put together Tom Waits' birthday. That's how I can remember because it's in a song. December the seventh of December in nineteen forty nine. He got what he'd been looking for all this time. Um but it's this has some real real bangers. House where nobody lives. Uh Georgia Lee is heartbreaking. And uh this one, it closes with a song called Come On Up to the House, which my friend Becky and I both want to be played at our funeral. 
So it is a race to see which of us dies first. Uh, and don't tell her that, but I have decided no matter what happens, she gets the song. That'll make her happy because I want that her to be my reaction uh, <laughs> at my death is to find out that she gets the song she wants. And then, I don't know, this went to a dark place. But anyway, don't tell Becky. Uh, then, then this is amazing. This is in 2002. He puts out two albums on the same day. And it is the same week that the first Spider-Man movie opened in theaters. It was the best week of my life. Uh, I, I went to L.A. with a friend of mine right before the pandemic. We had this amazing time. And I've often told her that was the best day of my life. And what I didn't say was, for context, the second best day is the day two Tom Waits albums came out and the same day and there was a Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man movie was in theaters. It was amazing. Um, Alice, once again, is written for a play. Uh, this one stands out a little more. It works a little better without having the context of the play. Uh, it is sort of about Lewis Carroll's... Uh, it, it touches on Lewis Carroll and a lot of his issues, but there's... There are so many... Like, there are weird characters here. There's Tabletop Joe. Uh, there is Poor Edward... Uh, which is a song about a man who's driven mad by a second face on the back of his head, who, per the lyrics, whispers things heard only in hell. And uh, my aforementioned friend Becky made me a clay bust of poor Edward that I love very much. And it is, uh, it's currently on a shelf with my Batman figures as if he's one of the Batman villains. Um, yeah, uh, uh, poor Edward is the a standout, uh, I like fish and bird a lot. Um, here's the thing: this is a this is like the sadder one, and Blood Money, which came out the same day, is the more aggressive one. Um, it's it opens with a song called "Misery Is the River of the World," which leads into a song called "Everything Goes to Hell." Um, so he he's not messing around. Then you get to "God's Away on Business," which has I've heard in several movies. Um, starving in the belly of a whale. Um, God, those two albums put together are such, such achievements. This one, by the way, was also written for a play. He was writing songs for plays. And then he put out, uh, yeah, put out two of his play adaptation albums on the same day, and it was amazing. Uh, now we're 2004. Real Gone, which is an album that I bought. It came out shortly after I broke my leg. I went to Target on crutches to buy this album. I had to ride a rascal through the store to get to where... You could buy CDs in a Target. Uh, and this one is a, a... It's giant... Like, this is such a... It's such a CD album because every song on it is long... Uh, except for the ones that are under a minute. But, you know, there's a ten and a half minute song on here. And it's, it is going hard from the very beginning. Uh, Hoist That Rag, he really, his, his last few albums are a lot about the military and uh, the futility of war and the human cost and how dumb patriotism is and 
hoist that rag goes into it. Uh, don't go into that barn is a, yeah, what's in that barn, man? Why doesn't Tom want you in there? Uh, a song called Dead and Lovely, which is very prominent in wrist cutters. Uh, uh, Make It Rain is real good. And uh, uh, Day After Tomorrow is is absolutely stunning. Um, that's, man, thinking about it, Real Gone might be, that might be top three for me. Uh, and then, a mere two years later, he puts out a three-album set called Orphans. Uh, Brawlers, Ballers, and Bastards. So it's kind of kind of like his angry rock songs. It's a bunch of, and then it's some, it's, it's sadder, more melancholy songs, and then the weird stuff. And it's broken up by disc. Uh, 56 songs. 30 are brand new. 26 are... Uh, were never on an album, but they were released for various things somewhere. Um, and man, I I can't even go through all fifty six songs to tell you everything you should see. There's some covers on there that are great. Uh, he also does like a like readings of of uh he does a a Burroughs poem. Uh, and I'm trying to remember the name, but it's something that I. I, I identified with very strongly when I went to Ireland because it's about sort of finding the place uh, where where uh, it seems like you're the only one who's recognized the magic and I had that moment and uh, maybe I have to talk about when I went to Ireland sometime we'll do that at some point uh, but it's it's such a weird and far ranging three albums of of just I mean, he, he there's a there's a thing where he just reads he makes up facts about bugs. It's crazy. Um, the one that uh, damn, I can't. Uh, damn it, have I really forgotten the name of the song I most wanted to talk about? I seemingly have. Uh, oh yeah, it's called Road to Peace which is about about war in the Middle East and it's it actually mentions then president George W Bush by name in the lyrics but the in the song it actually just says the president uh so i don't maybe assuming that the middle east would be screwed up for far longer than George Bush was around and it just has the casually devastating line about a young suicide bomber. He was an excellent student. He studied so hard. It was as if he had a future. Which, damn man, that'll get you. Um, yeah, these are three absolutely wild discs. Uh, new stuff and covers and just uh, so many things. And it's all... It's all interesting to listen to and most of it is great and that sadly then he takes five years off for what is at this at this moment his last album uh, Bad As Me and it's you know it's one that I don't know what was going on in my life at the time but I didn't spend as much time with it as I usually would spend with his albums and I've started, like recently, I've, I've sort of gotten back into it. 
uh, and it's 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 like a step back from real gone where it's not pounding as much it's a little more contemplative it's like he's the it's like the weird stuff from from bone machine is kind of merging into the the sadness of uh of his early stuff um and the there's a song called chicago that i quote all the time but there's also another incredible military song called hell broke loose uh and loose is spelled l-u-c-e and you can actually it's an amazing song but you can find a very funny video on youtube where somebody synced up footage of cookie monster with a performance of the song and it's like yeah that's not the opposite of tom's voice um and man talking at the same time that is a standout song oh man yeah you want to listen to hell broke loose and talking at the same time um and i wish i had like a a wrap-up to this where where there was an announcement that he was going to uh, have a new album out and it has just been forever uh i'm starting i'm starting to get very worried quite frankly uh he the last new song i've heard of his was for david letterman's second to last show and it has not been released anywhere it's this really pretty song called one last kiss before you're leaving um and i'm hoping hoping it uh I'm hoping there's new stuff coming. He's been every once in a while kind of make the interview rounds. Uh, and he's currently uh, uh, scheduled to do voice work for uh, uh, Leica Studios, the, the animation studio that did uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. And uh, I think they put out Wendell and Wild. Uh, he is cast in the movie alongside Mahershala Ali, Aquafina. Charlie Day, Jake Johnson, Jermaine Clement, and Richard E. Grant. Holy smokes! And Angela Bassett. Damn, this is a wild cast. It's called Wildwood. It's going to be a stop-motion animated movie. I don't know when it's coming out. I need it to come out immediately. Jacob Tremblay, the little child from Room. I realize he's no longer a small child, but he's still a little little man, and he's he's going to be working with Tom Waits and Richard E. Grant. <laughs> Holy shit, that's that's amazing. Um, look, I'm not great at talking about uh, 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 music, it turns out, but I really love Tom Waits. And if there's anything I said that made you want to check out a check out a a song or two, you know, it's worth it. You'll have a good time. Um, I'm looking now a couple of his other movies that I didn't mention. Uh, well, the the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, which was Heath Ledger's last movie, where he, he died before it was finished. He had to be played by different actors. Uh, Tom Waits plays the devil in that. And I realize Terry, director Terry Gilliam is a, is a problematic figure these days, but it's, that's a fun watch. Um, He's also in, he's an engineer in the Book of Eli, the uh, 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 Denzel Washington post-apocalyptic uh, Bible thriller. And he was on an episode of The Simpsons in 2013, which I always forget. But yes, it's amazing that that happened. 
I remember I remember losing my mind when I saw that uh honestly the man the man works he's still out there he was in licorice pizza this year which I didn't see uh and clearly I should just to for completionism but uh yeah you know what it's I don't have as many emotional memories tied to music as I do to like like movies and comics for some reason, which is weird. It's usually the opposite. Like uh but I can't I can't always put an album with where I was in my life when I listened to it. Uh partly because I was almost never listening to current music, so that you know, that's a more of a solitary thing then. You know, where, you know, movie releases, I can think of what what came out when this was happening in my life. And, you know, with with music, it's more, well, what did I what had I just bought when that happened? So it's it's hard to put it all in. You know, I'm not I, I, I don't have I'm not hitting the emotional connections as hard as I wished I had. Uh, but. Uh, Tom Waits means an incredible amount to me. There are a few years in there. Uh, like, honestly, like 1999 through 2002 when I was, I was real messed up. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to get into the details, but the last time I saw my dad was the 7th of December, 1999. Uh, Tom Waits' 50th birthday. And I will always remember that was the date not because my dad is in any way important to my life as it is now, but because that's Tom Waits' birthday. Yes, it's also Pearl Harbor Day, but the point is it's Tom Waits' birthday. And uh, I was had actually been listening to Mule Variations right before. Uh, and I don't really want to get into into that, but it's, it's, it's so tied up in that. And yeah, so, and then... Honestly, until about 2002, uh, when I, I started to leave the house occasionally and, you know, I met Sam and through extension, the Sam supporting cast to uh, become my friends. Uh, when I was very, when I was incredibly lonely, um, I just, I was, I was jamming those Tom Waits albums uh, just, just nonstop. Uh, you know, I would I would sit in my miserable cubicle at work with a with a disc man and I would just bring like like six Tom Waits albums to work and I'd just keep rotating them or I'd just listen to Bone Machine over and over. Um, so, you know, it's still it's it's very tied up emotionally with my life, especially that phase in my life. But then unlike a lot of things that were important to me and then I had to give up because they were so tied to me feeling a way I don't want to feel anymore. Uh, Tom, Tom came with me. He got to stick around, man. Uh, he's, he's stood the test of time. So yeah. Um, he's, he's the best man. I love Tom Waits. Uh, next tomorrow or today, depending on when you listen to this yesterday, who knows? I'm going to do my annual shot of bourbon in his honor. Uh, and if you listen to this on or before December 7th, do the same. Unless you have a drinking problem or you don't like bourbon. Uh, Tom doesn't drink anymore himself, but uh, 
He used to be a fan of the bourbon. That's the one he mentions in a lot of songs. So I just decided it would be bourbon. I do not like bourbon, but I do it for I, I do it for the tradition. So uh, uh, bless your heart, Tom Waits. And given that he is seventy three years old, I am thankful every day that there is not a interview where he comes out and says some horribly problematic stuff uh, that you would expect from a man who was born at the close of the forties. He is stayed uh he he has stayed weird and well-meaning and holy smokes has that been nice because it would break my heart if uh if uh (laughs) if if there's a picture of tom waits wearing a maga hat i would literally never recover um so that's it uh this has run real long i don't really want to get into the the franchise report because i'm uh, because honestly, I, I I finished the Marvel uh my Marvel rewatch this week, and I want to give a little more time to that next week where I give my closing thoughts, I guess. So that'll next week will be pop culture catch up. This week we're just gonna be happy about Tom Waits being a being a weird genius, and um, I'm. I'm definitely going to have one of his songs at my funeral. It just won't be the one Becky wants. I just have to figure out which one. If you've listened to a lot of his music and have a suggestion for what you'd like to hear at my funeral, email the show at fedtalks at yahoo.com. Um, oh, but, but, ah, damn it, I'm signing off. But I, I, I forgot. Um, I, I, I have two things I, two things I need you to do. Uh, one, and, and this is not a sponsor. Uh, Brad's Corner has chosen not to sponsor the show, but uh, do follow Ambient Architecture Studio on on Instagram just to help with the SEO. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. If you're in the market to buy a house and would like somebody really good to design it, you want to talk to Brad because then every every corner in your house will be a Brad's Corner. So consider that. Uh, and then, of course, our sponsor, TeasedbySummer.com. Look. Am I going to call her the Tom Waits of, of uh, shirt designers? Yeah. You know what? I am. Live with that. Um, just, I'll, I'll talk about it next week, but I went, I saw Connor O'Malley. Uh, he was in town, and obviously since he's a cast member of I Think You Should Leave, I had to wear uh, the I Think You Should Leave New Car Ideas shirt. And I did not get to meet him after the show, uh, but I would have proudly shown off my shirt if I did. It would have been cool to get a picture of, get a picture with him where I'm wearing a shirt from his show. But uh, anyway, had me thinking how great that design is because, uh, you know, it is not t-shirt weather in, in Grand Rapids right now. So uh, the Tease by Summer shirts have not been in the regular rotation uh, although the mugs are getting a lot of are getting a lot of mug play, which sounds like a bad thing. Gross. Uh, the best. Uh, my guess is you can still get something in time for Christmas. If not, we're adults. If it comes a little late, the people you care about will be cool with it. They're not going to be jerks about not getting their their shirt immediately, especially because it's probably too cold to wear, and they'll mostly just be happy you gave them something that they are going to wear as soon as the snow melts. Um, so those are my thoughts on Teased by Summer. Um, as good as Tom Waits, who can say? Probably. Um, 
that's now that's it for the show. As I said, uh, 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 Fed Talks at Yahoo.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter for now at EJ Fettis, Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis, and TikTok at EJ Fettis, where I am doing my incompetent movie reviews and having just a heck of a time. And and I uh, um, those have been very fun. Uh, have people made mean comments about my 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 face, voice, and body? Yes, they have. Uh, am I going to let that stop me? At some point, probably. But for now, nope, we're in business. Check it out. Um, I'm, I'm doing my best, man. Um, next week, we'll talk about Thor Love and Thunder and wrap up my thoughts on having watched 30 or so Marvel movies in 30 or so weeks. Um, that's it. See you soon. Bye. Fed Talks is a Full Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.